I'm Alexander Lawrence Ames, and this is Cloister Talk, the Pennsylvania German Material Texts podcast. Welcome to Episode 12, Johann Gottfried Weber and Johannes Bard, two characters in the 18th century transatlantic world of manuscripts. This episode offers a glimpse into a fascinating example of transatlantic manuscript culture and the interaction of the print and manuscript arts in the 18th and 19th centuries. This podcast series explores topics covered in my new book, The Word in the Wilderness, Popular Piety and the Manuscript Arts in Early Pennsylvania, published by the Pennsylvania State University Press in 2020. There are many questions and ideas I address in the book that deserve further consideration, so each episode of Cloister Talk dives into one of those topics. If you'd like to learn more about anything discussed on the podcast, please read my book, which you can order from psupress.org. Or consider requesting The Word in the Wilderness from your favorite local bookseller or library. A small image at the bottom of a penmanship sample printed in Nuremberg, Germany in 1766 honors the symbiotic relationship shared by handwriting, the visual arts, and print publication in 18th century German-speaking Central Europe. The illustration depicts three artists' tools, the calligrapher's quill, the engraver's biren, and a porte-crayon, or pencil holder, all bound by a leafy vine. The quill, pointing downward, writes a Bible verse. The three sister arts are united in the quill's effort to depict and proclaim the Word of God. You can see this image at wordandwilderness.com sources. Understandably, given the importance of the development of movable type in 15th century Europe and the explosion of print material that followed, the calligraphy and manuscript-making traditions that survived and thrived long after the Middle Ages ended often go unchronicled by scholars. Calligraphy's status as an important art form during the early modern period, by which I mean from the end of the Middle Ages into the middle of the 1700s, and even well into the 1800s, meant that letters and words conveyed both verbal and visual messages bound up in the time-consuming processes of creating and interpreting decorative manuscripts. Mutually beneficial exchange between handwriting and print shaped text dissemination in the early modern era. The volume containing the image that I just described is a perfect case in point. Its penmanship samples were written on paper by a Swiss calligrapher and copied via engraving, so that buyers could use them as penmanship models and thus return the printed text to manuscript. Engraving handwriting samples on metal plates and printing them in large numbers allowed writing masters to propagate standards for penmanship, resulting in bound, multi-page printed penmanship samples that often quoted scripture and moral maxims. The visual aesthetic of lines printed from Buren-engraved copper plates could closely resemble those drawn with a quill on paper, making the medium ideally suited for mass production of penmanship training materials. Incising a plate at different depths creates fluid lines of varying thickness, the same effect toward which the early modern scribe strove with his or her quill. As we have discussed on previous episodes of Cloister Talk, 
early scholars of Pennsylvania German calligraphy and manuscript illumination connected the American tradition to manuscript making in the monasteries of medieval Europe. It was an easy link to forge given the document's religious content, but it obscured an important point. Manuscript making remained a vital part of many Europeans' and Americans' lives outside of monasteries for centuries after the Middle Ages ended and Gutenberg invented his printing press. Pennsylvania Germans were not the exclusive inheritors of medieval manuscript traditions, nor were their artworks backward in aesthetic or use. Quite the contrary, the documents responded to the changing spiritual, cultural, and textual circumstances of the 18th and 19th centuries, as print publication only slowly enervated the cultural resonance of manuscript-making and reading. The boundaries between manuscript and print were fluid in early modern Europe and early America. While print publication played a vital role in several aspects of early modern life, for many, access to print materials was not always abundant. Often, the most viable means of text acquisition and dissemination was copying by hand. In a world dependent on manuscript-making, calligraphy and illumination retained their long-standing resonance as art forms, useful, to be sure, in commercial, civic, and daily life, but capable of profound cultural expression in their own right. A set of printed and manuscript artifacts created by Johann Gottfried Weber and Johannes Bard illuminates just how symbiotic the relationship between print and manuscript truly was in this period. Johannes Bard, who lived from 1797 to 1861, was a blacksmith, fraktorschrift calligrapher, and manuscript illuminator who resided in Union Township, Adams County, Pennsylvania. He made a book of penmanship samples and assorted illustrations, many of which were modeled on engraved prints found in Johann Gottfried Weber's 1780 German publication Allgemeine Anweisung der Neuesten Schönschreibkunst, which translates as general instruction in the latest calligraphy. Bard's bound manuscript was disassembled in 1995, and the individual leaves were offered up for sale by a dealer. Twenty-six leaves eventually came to the Wintertour Museum, and others remain in private collections. The samples emphasize the culture of close copying of original sources that dominated calligraphy and penmanship instruction through the mid-19th century, as well as the considerable artistic freedom open to the calligrapher and manuscript artist in inflecting his or her final product with personal character. While closely modeled on Weber's engraved and printed penmanship samples, the documents possess added embellishment that reflects Bard's personal artistic interest and ability. Separated by time, space, and medium of publication, by which I mean print versus manuscript, yet united by the common enterprise of calligraphy and scribal practice, the works of Weber and Bard perfectly encapsulate the material reality, aesthetic contours, and lived experience of manuscript and print culture in the period under consideration. If you visit wordandwilderness.com sources, you will find eight leaves from Weber's printed writing manual presented alongside Johannes Bard's copies of those published images. I invite you to spend some time comparing and contrasting the print and manuscript versions of the images. What's the same about them? In what ways do they differ? You'll find that both sets of artifacts exhibit tremendous artistry and underscore the exalted status of Fraktorschrift calligraphy in German-speaking culture of the time. 
I encourage you to look closely at the documents that I've posted online to reach your own conclusions about their significance and meaning, but I will share a few of my own thoughts about them as well. There are a few points to make about the printed and manuscript versions that may seem quite basic but do merit our attention. The first is just how incredibly skilled Johannes Bard was in effectively copying the scripts from the printed version and carefully replicating certain aspects of the decorative design as well. Second, and just as important, Bard's addition of color to the text brings the manuscript versions to life in engaging ways. It's also interesting to note that Bard's aesthetic choices, as far as design goes, place him firmly within the Pennsylvania German aesthetic. He foregoes certain elements of Weber's more lavish Baroque European high style in favor of colorful, geometric Pennsylvania Dutch charm. It is interesting to consider what the use of this manuscript copy of Weber's book would have been for Johannes Bard. We don't know exactly why he made the book. Whatever the reason, the designs are highly sophisticated and underscore an important point to bear in mind when exploring Pennsylvania German manuscript culture of the period. Scribal copying could be a highly complex creative activity, one that connected scribes with deep transatlantic text traditions. If you are interested in learning more about transatlantic manuscript culture in the early modern world, please read Chapter 2 of The Word in the Wilderness, titled The Spirit of the Letter, Calligraphy and Spirituality During the Long Era of Manuscripts. This chapter offers a detailed introduction to the topic. In addition, visit wordinwilderness.com sources to see high-res color images of the documents we discussed today and many other artifacts of interest. You may also wish to explore my article, Quill and Graver Bound, published in Winterture Portfolio in 2016, which reflects on the penmanship sample tradition and the connection between print and manuscript culture. It is available online for free via the University of Chicago Press. On the next episode of Cloister Talk, we'll continue our exploration of the transatlantic world of language and penmanship instruction by studying a fascinating penmanship sample volume printed in Germany in the 1700s that offers insights into contemporary understandings of the origins of the German language. In the meanwhile, I invite you to purchase The Word in the Wilderness by visiting psupress.org. You may also request it from your favorite local bookseller or library. Please note that Penn State Press is a nonprofit scholarly publisher and part of the Penn State University Libraries. Your purchase of the book supports the work of nonprofit, peer reviewed academic publishing, a vital component of the United States information landscape in the 21st century. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to continuing our conversation on the next episode of Cloister Talk. <laughs>